Algar Productions. Algar Productions. You are listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Supplemental Episode 29. Hi, friends. Hello. We are Alan Matt. Yes, from TV. From, yeah, this is our best intro ever. <laughs> you might want to hit that stop button now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping people can hear us because my phone is way over there, but I'm, I'm assuming they can hear us. If not, you know what? This goes up as a podcast mm-hmm. in a couple of days. You can hear, you can watch us now and hear us later. <laughs> and then sync it up and send it back to us. Yeah. Um, so this is our supplemental episode. What number are we on? 20,733? I don't know. We're through another season of Voyager, so that's oh, good. Only two more to go. Oh. Still I two would, more to go. I, I felt good for a second there. Now I feel terrible. <laughs> Welcome to the, uh, what is it? The, the mythological punishment of pushing a rock forever. That, oh, that's us watching Voyager. The post-atomic Sisyphus. Yeah, exactly. That, that's just continuing that tradition of, uh. It's a great podcast name. Is it? Yes, damn it. Is it? Uh, first, as promised, we're gonna we, we watched uh, Star Trek Beyond again. We did, and we want to give you our reactions that, uh, like, after we've given it a little thought and not just walked right out of the theater and gone like actually, you know, mm-hmm. thinking and and summarizing. We wrote summaries like as we yep. do. I just finished mine. Well, you know. That's hot off the press shit right there. I kind of wanted to move the to keyboard over here so people so could, could see you typing. While we're talking. I could introduce the show while you're typing. That'd be cool. Not now I'm working. But I, I can't write when people are talking. I don't know if you can. No. So I didn't want to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's what we're going to kick off with. We are going to, in two parts, summarize uh, the recent movie, Star Trek Beyond. So enjoy. We open on, and I counted, five different production logos, for which they had to write a new, longer piece of score to accommodate. On the plus side, I didn't see Rick Berman's name in there anywhere. Yay. Good, that guy sucks. Then we jumped to good old Dreamy Eyes himself, James Always T, Never R, Kirk, who's presenting a race of tiny gargoyles with a MacGuffin we'll later learn is called the Abernath. The tiny gargoyles apparently have a highly developed sense of bullshit plot contrivances, and refuse the gift. So Jim beams back to the Enterprise and stores the thing away where it can't possibly fall into the hands of some twice-ridiculously-named alien later on. Or can it? Well, yes. But first, we're taking a break at the oddly-named Starbase Yorktown, which I have on good authority is just four Dubais all stacked at 90-degree angles to one another. There, we get about 60 seconds of well-needed R&R as the crew says hi to their possible families, and Kirk has a chat regarding his future with Commodore Lunch Lady Doris. Illustrating just how bizarre this new post-Kelvin reality is, the Commodore is interested in furthering Kirk's career, rather than being a fucking thorn in his side. Oh, sorry, that's a spoiler for later. Uh, So sufficiently ard and ard, the crew load back up into the Enterprise and head out to their next mission. Seriously, I bet there were a handful of ensigns who hadn't even made it off the ship yet before having to turn right back around and reboard. But there's an emergency, dammit, and the Enterprise is the only ship that can help. Some things are a constant in any reality, I suppose. Caught off guard by a billion tiny knife ships, the Enterprise crashes violently into a planet, which is something I haven't seen in three whole years when the last Trek movie dropped. What a highly original thing to happen! Stranded on a hostile planet, the crew struggle to survive. Kirk taking young Chekhov under his wing and teaching him how to cheat his way across the terrain. 
Bones and Spock finally spending some quality time together, because I guess Justin Lin or Simon Pegg or possibly both of them listen to this podcast. <laughs> and Scotty wandering into booby traps and making himself a new friend in the process. Meet Jayla, a badass alien survivor who, despite not being anyone's love interest, is actually a lady. Good job, Star Trek. One in a row. Jayla shows Scotty around the remains of the long-lost pre-Federation starship USS Franklin as they slowly begin to gather the crew back together to learn who did this to them and devise a plan to fight back. All right, Matt, you take it from here. All right. So Jayla frees Kirk and Chekhov from her gross cement goo trap. And then, using the miracle of shitty broken transporters, they save Bones and Spock from a fleet of knife bats, or whatever the hell the bad guys are. With the movie's most important characters all gathered in one place, the crew starts preparing to save the extras and supporting cast, using the most Star Trek device known to man, a dirt bike. While Kirk and some extra Kirks all drive around in circles, everybody else helps with helps the crew escape. Crawl, the main bad guy who I'm surprised you didn't call by name at all, no, I was saving that for you. Steals the MacGuffin device and runs away, leaving his sidekick Snakefish to beat up Jayla. Luckily, Kirk saves her because friends stick together. The dirt bike is left to die horribly. With everyone together, the crew gets the Franklin up and running by dropping it off a cliff, Wily e. Coyote style. Crow leaves with his fleet of knife bees and an evil black melty fog that I guess was in the MacGuffin all along? Fine. And then everyone heads for the York town to kill and or save Sulu's tiny baby, depending on whose side they're on. Kirk and company use the power of rocking the fuck out and surfing to defeat the knife bees in what may be the 90th sequence I've seen in a movie since Escape from L.A. Unfortunately, Crawl escapes into the crowd because I guess he's fully human now? And now that he's fully human, the crew identifies him as former Franklin captain and real name-haver, Balthazar Edison. Pause for laughter. <laughs> Apparently, Balthazar Edison feels abandoned by the Federation because... Well, they did abandon him and has decided that war is awesome and peace is stupid. So then Kirk beats him up in an elevator for a while until the day is saved. With that done, everyone gathers the others in their civvies. Kirk decides to be a captain. Spock looks at dead Spock's old shit for yet another reminder that old Star Trek also exists. And Chekhov says some lines that make me wish Anton Yelchin was still alive. Well, then they all watch the new Enterprise get rebuilt just in time for the fourth movie and... What, 2037? Yeah, that sounds about right. The end! Hooray! <laughs> the words are James Tiberius. Tiberius Kirk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's about right. Turning into Star Wars music <laughs> at the end. I did not like it as much the second time around, I hate to say. Yeah. Um, I mean, I still enjoyed it quite oh, yeah. a lot. Definitely still better than um, Into Darkness. Uh-huh. But you know what else is better than Into Darkness? Literally oh, anything. Yeah. Well, not Voyager, but just no. about anything else. Mm -hmm. uh, I the second time through, I got a real like. It reminded me a lot of Insurrection, honestly, in that sort of this well, is Knives, just an episode. Oh no! Wait, that was that was. Yeah, you're thinking of Nemesis, and it's mm -hmm. Knives. I hate thinking of Nemesis. Yeah, no, it. Uh, I got a real like. This is just an episode of Star Trek, only with a bigger budget, and we blew up the Enterprise. I'm okay with that. Yeah. it's just, and this is my bad thing. The action sequences. When we saw this in the theater, I was engaged for most of the movie, but the last couple of action sequences kind of lost me. The second time, I had trouble focusing even on some of the earlier ones. Like, one thing I liked about 2009 Trek, the, the stuff moved the story forward. Like, there was a lot of action, but you always felt like you were being carried to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And here, it did not feel like that. The destruction of the Enterprise takes, like, 20 minutes. It does. You, you feel that 20 minutes. Yeah, and... 
I just did the flying and running and fighting and shooting and like, yeah, I know they're going to crash. Can you just get there already? Get and the, yeah, like yeah. we could have shaved a half hour off of this movie easily. Which... And these movies have all really gotten me engaged in the characters, mm-hmm. even characters I barely cared about before. But I still don't really care what's actually happening to them most yeah. of the time. And the thing is, like all of that destruction and crap we could use to spend some time with, you know, Uhura or Sulu, both of whom didn't have much to do in this movie. No, they were they were captives this time. Yeah. And Sulu... For all the hoopla of him, like, oh, finally, uh, someone who is married to someone of the same sex. Mm. Yeah, maybe. We mentioned this before, but, Uh, like... Yeah, it's really just, I put an arm around... I'd put an Like, Sulu just sort of puts an arm around... Yeah, if I haven't seen you for a long time and we're walking like this for a couple of minutes... That's nothing. My husband. We are now. male. We are male friends yeah. that are comfortable putting our arms around each like, other. That's it. Yeah. No. Like I. I think making Sulu gay is a great idea. I just wish you know there could the, you, you guys could have done more with it. it. Yeah. It feels like they were like yeah we made him gay but we're still kind of playing it safe. I. It just might have been case. that or it might have just been there was no time because I know that's true too. Like I said in my summary, we spent thirty seconds on the Yorktown. We got to blow some more shit up and watch someone drive around on a dirt bike. Oh, gotta have dirt bikes. I don't know. And again, it's not that I'm against the action. I do like big action I stuff. I swear to God, I thought you were going to be against dirt bikes. I'm kind of against out. dirt bikes, but I, I grew up in redneck country, Matt. Dirt bikes don't mean the same thing to me that they mean to you. Yeah. But it just, like, I don't mind the big action. I really don't. I don't, I'm not one of those people who's like, oh, why are they turning Star Trek into, no, I'm fine with action. It's just, there's a way to do it and still tell a story and not bore me. Yeah. And this didn't quite cut it. Mm -hmm. And the action sequences were well put together. It's not that that they were dull. It's just, they didn't add anything. I will tell you this. I stand by the knife ship blasting uh, Beastie Boys surfing well, at the end. Well, you know. And I don't even like the Beastie Boys like you do. What? Nobody. I don't think anyone. No. Nobody likes the Beastie Boys. But I mean, fucking that ship surfing on a wave of, uh, of knife ships. That's stupid as hell. I loved it. The thing is, you, you said it was the 90s thing ever. That was happening in cartoons in the 80s. Mm, a lot of true. the Transformers episodes I covered uh, and, and were... were uh, there was some surfing, actually wow. one in particular, but there were a lot of episodes that ended with the power of rock defeating the bad guys. Mm-hmm. There were at least two characters that used the, the power of their rock to... Uh... Well, I mean, honestly, we could go back to fucking Batman 66 and that's surfing and using the power of rock to save the day from the Joker. Also true. Uh, what was your, I don't know, bad thing? I did mine. Um, the villains in this movie are terrible. Yeah. All of them. Balthazar Edison. That's his name. Awful. Mm-hmm. No reason to be a bad guy, and such a waste of Idris Elba. Like, yeah. like, ah, like even from the, from the start when he shows up, and he's a weird, terribly makeuped, life stealing vampire man. Oh yeah, he sucks the energy out of some guys for some reason. Like it feels like it feels like the revelation that Crawl is supposed is is actually a human who's been abandoned on this planet all these years is supposed to be like this big huge revelation, but. I don't give a shit. Like, yeah. it, it, like when they give you his secret origin at the end, you're just like, okay, wh- whatever. Because the thing is, they spend so much time giving him all this weird alien crap that then doesn't make any sense in, like, you know, when you look back. At, like, I'm watching it through again, and I know from the second he shows up that he's a human. I'm like, okay, so... Why is he not? Why is he not speaking English? Why is he speaking some weird? made-up language that him and his crew decided was a good idea? Yeah, they're all speaking a weird language, and then when he starts speaking English, he's got a weird accent. And he talks really slowly, like... Mm -hmm. (coughs) Mm-hmm. It's like, what is happening? 
Yeah. I've... And then his weird army of dudes all, like, first of all, where did they come from? Were they, like, were they from... The, I think there were right? some indigenous guys on this on the planet. I think some of the other guys were from the Franklin. I and think. I guess the planet also pulls, like, ships. Yeah, a lot of people are, cra- like, crash there and stay there forever. That was Jayla's deal. But, like, all, like, his army dudes are all, like, weirdly generic. And they all look like the bad guys from Mass Effect 2. Hmm. Exactly. It's like, you didn't even try. They're just like, well, fucking use those guys. They look pretty cool. <laughs> The, the, you, you say he's a waste of Idris Elba, and he absolutely is. I, we actually watched the, uh, the most recent X-Men movie mm-hmm. not too long ago, which just reminded me of that, because that was a waste of Oscar What's Isaac. This? Yeah, Oscar Isaac. Who was just in a bunch of makeup and not really sounding like himself. And, like, what is the point of using these, like, I mean, they're handsome, yeah. but they're also good actors. Yeah. And, like, why? Why, like, why bother? He's an amazing actor. He like, is. Fucking watch Luther. He's so good in it. Yeah, watch The Wire. He's great yeah. in that. What? Well, he's fine in Pacific Rim. I mean, no. watch Pacific Rim, but don't watch it for him. Maybe. I mean, he's canceling the apocalypse. Who who else can cancel the apocalypse quite so effectively? Nobody. That's who. That's that's damn What's right. That man. scene where he gets out of the uh, giant robot and just stands on top like this. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So just the, the entire like the entire point of the villains is just awful and terrible and. The I thing is, this, this is three in a row now. Yeah. All these movies have had terrible villains. And I said this last time, and I think I stand by it. Trek 4, maybe fight a cloud or a probe. <laughs> I mean, I'd love to see the classic Kirk against the computer. Yeah, that'd be fine. But there's there's been talk, and we've probably mentioned this, there's been talk about bringing Chris Hemsworth back. And if it's the Mirror Universe and it's Kirk versus the evil version of his dad, that could be cool. That's a cool concept. That would pay off his whole daddy issues thing. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, like, you guys can't do villains you just haven't been able to pull it off and what i've been saying all along is the villain should have a connection to the hero yeah if not kirk then spock or some like you know they, they had a lot of great villains in the original series that were my old friend from the academy yeah. like uh, uh gary mitchell or my uh, uh, a guy i really looked up to garth mm-hmm. of Izar. like there were guys who were in kirk's past or like um uh commodore decker yeah like guys that he knew or knew of that instead of just showing up out of nowhere, actually had some connection to things, yeah. and that works so much better. But and I mean, give them like a real thing, you know, to actually want. Like Balthazar Edison. Oh God, his his motive is <laughs> peace is bad, war is good. Yeah, like what's the point? Like what are you talking? Only through the use of war can uh, humanity get better. We've got to suffer, is the thing. It's like what? Yeah, doesn't make a lick of sense. What? What? Yeah. What do you like? An evil general from a 1980s movie or something? <laughs> just, just the worst. Are you are you the bad guy from the Robin Williams movie Toys? Because <laughs> I think you might be the the bad guy from the Robin Williams movie Toys. Yeah, that feels about right. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your good thing? I love the New York town. Yeah, I love it so much. Um, I mean, like, there's a shit ton to like about this movie, all the character stuff and everything, but every time, like, I've watched this twice now, and just both times, I love how beautiful the Yorktown is. It it looks like they started with the basic look of a real city, and I Mm. said this in my summary, because our our friend Vishal, who lives in Dubai, pointed out, uh, this is Dubai. Mm -hmm. Like, it is the, the, like, most gleaming, futuristic-looking city on Earth as it is, and then they added some stuff on top of that. Yeah. But what I like is that they started with basic architecture we could recognize and then futured it up, rather than starting from scratch and building something that doesn't look like anything we've ever seen. Like, it looked like a place people would live in, 
with a bunch of cool futury stuff on top of just, that. I love the 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 like all of the what the hell are they called the um like the the they're like circular just rings with like cities built on them. I know what you're talking about. I'm not sure if, <clears throat> if there's a word for that. It's I don't. It's full know of ring is. worlds. Yeah, but there's or a halos. Everything is at right angles to one another. There's yeah. like different planes and different gravity, so like they have a small amount of space and they're using it to its advantage mm-hmm. because the up is also a down. Yeah. So you can put more city up where you would normally just have sky, and, and like it's a very effective use of the space. And you've got that part, that shot at the end where it's just four buildings all coming together into one thing. That's so cool. Everything and, about it is gorgeous and awesome. And you get a sense of the scale when you see the Enterprise flying underneath. Yep. And you get a shot, like, sort of down through the street of yeah. the Enterprise. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. This is actually way bigger than I thought it it's was. It's so cool. Yeah. It's very cool. Uh, I was reading somewhere that apparently they designed 50 different new alien designs I buy for that. this movie. In addition to aliens we've seen before. Yeah. 50 new designs. Now, there's some great looking uh, uh, spider head alien is really cool with the like. The, oh, there's a lot like of a face huggers stuck in the back of her head. Yeah. No, there's a lot of that. But I'm talking just in the background of, mm-hmm. of the Yorktown. Like there's also like guys on the Enterprise crew and, yeah. and at various points like on the planet. But but just milling about in this city. It's not just humans. They're yeah, all different kinds. It's not kinds. just like a bunch of white dudes all like hanging yeah. around in the background. That was one thing I noticed too, is like all the extras, way more uh, effort put into making them people who weren't white. Yeah. A lot more Asians, a lot more brown people, a lot more people that you don't often see just yep. as extras. And it was nice. And then like, you know, a lady with like a giant red jewel in the back of her head. Right. Too, no, it was true diversity, like made up and real yeah. diversity, which was great. It's what you want from Star Trek. Mm-hmm. This was Star Trek's always beating its chest about being good at. Yeah. And you hardly ever see it. So it was nice. Uh, my good thing. Yes. Like like you said, there's a lot to like. But one thing we didn't talk about in our initial coverage uh, over the summer is the way it handles language, which I really like. The alien chick, the the one with the... the no, that wasn't her. No, that was no, a different she one. was like crab head alien. Right, crab head. But not, crab head. But not... Um, not not hermit crab head no. at the end. Who uh, Chekhov's hitting on. Yeah. Um... No, the the uh, the one who betrayed Kirk to uh, Balthazar Edison. She's wearing a translator that doesn't speak in her own voice and actually works on a slight delay. Yeah, it's really cool. Which that's how I imagine a real life universal translator actually working. Mm-hmm. Like we have devices like that now, kind of, but I imagine they w- it would be a little better. But yeah. this real time, perfect in their own voice thing. Like I get why the TV shows are like that, but that's not how it would actually work. So I like that they show that, and I especially like. Jayla's odd manner of speech. She knows English, but her grammar and syntax are off. Yeah. And the way she calls Kirk James T and Scotty Montgomery Scotty, mm-hmm. the way she refers to the Franklin as her house. This is my house. I really like that. There's a lot of that. Somebody really put a lot of thought into the way she speaks and like the way she thinks and how it's a little different and a little alien. And I, I like just, I appreciate that. And I, we've called them out for laziness, thinking up new aliens, particularly in Voyager. Yeah. For a while, and but they really nailed it this time. I got the sense that I completely still relate to this character. There's a real human actor in there, but also they're a little weird and a little off and mm-hmm. kind of an alien, and I like that. Yeah. No, so, it's neat. Yeah. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to cover now? I mean, we, we talked about this at length before. I yeah. just kind of wanted to do a, uh, yeah. an official summary and then kind of move on. This way we don't have to do it again in like yeah. two years or whatever. Yeah. No, I, I just... I don't know why, just for a sense of com- completion. We had, to, we had to do the summary. Yeah. Um, but any other things you wanted nah. to bring up? All right. We nailed everything. Well, uh, my quote yeah. is um, 
Bones and Spock. I, I, there were so many good Bones and Spock moments, and we talked about this when we saw it this summer. This, like, this is probably my actual favorite part. I wanted to pick a good thing that we don't usually talk about, but mm-hmm. like, my real good thing is so much good Bones and Spock. Oh yeah. And there's the bit when they first land on the planet, and and Spock is injured, and Bones has to distract him, and he does this. All right, Spock. I just got one question. What's your favorite color? I fail to see the relevance. <laughs> You say it hurts less if it's a surprise. If I may adopt a parlance with which you are familiar, I can confirm your theory to be horse shit. Um, and what's your quote? Uh, my quote is Balthazar Edison talk about some crap again. <laughs> Captain's log. I don't remember the star date. All distress calls unanswered. Of the crew, only three remain. I won't allow it! The indigenous race abandoned this planet long ago. They left behind sophisticated mining equipment and a drone workforce. They have some sort of technology that prolongs life. I will do whatever it takes for me and my crew. The Federation do not care about us. So... That's that. Let us move on now to the mail, which uh, we have a considerable amount of. And for those of you watching live and want to ask us further questions that we will answer uh, in due time, uh, it is postatomichorror at Gmail. Postatomichorror at Gmail. Uh, if you send us stuff on the, the, the Periscope thing, we're probably not going to see it because my phone is facing the wrong way. But, uh, yeah, if, if you guys want to want to ask us about anything we're talking about right now or anything that occurs to you at the last minute, uh, uh, post stomachor at Gmail. It will get to me right here. I will mm-hmm. see it. I will read it. We will answer it. Yeah. Uh, so let us see. I also might skip some of this stuff because there is a lot of emails. I mentioned this before. A lot of emails defending Enterprise. And I appreciate that you want to win us over to your opinion. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that you cared enough to compose... 50 pages of email, but uh, like to keep the show moving. Sorry. Um, Plus, you know, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we will get there. Uh, so, yeah, this is this is one. Sorry. I feel bad because we encourage you people to write in, and I feel so bad deleting things. But, uh, you know. Uh, let's see. This is from Adane. Oh, uh, this is uh, she was making the, um, the, the knitting pattern. Oh, cool. Or actually now correcting us on, on our guess of what that was. Uh, that thing I sent you is actually a color chart for a knit design that I plan to incorporate into a knitted purse. There are many project possibilities it could be used for. I've tweaked it since I sent to you, so now it only uses two colors, one main one and a background for the sake of my sanity. I've attached the final version. If it would be okay, I would be okay if Vishal is okay. Vishal is okay. I've already talked to him about this. Uh, make it for uh, available for other PA fans who knit, if there are any. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Uh, when I have my project to the point where you can actually tell what it's supposed to be, I will send progress pictures. Hang in there. I would like to say that it gets better, but yeah. <laughs> I, I know. <laughs> Believe me, I know. This was written at the beginning of... Uh... Oh, that's beautiful. Now, we will we will put this in the show notes for this episode mm-hmm. uh, so that you will be able to, uh, if you like, download this and, and use it. Mm-hmm. And who wouldn't want to knit that onto a purse? Or anything, Or really. anything. Just, just anything. Everyone, not who. Yeah. Right. I want to learn how to knit just so I can do that. My wife knits, so I don't have to. Ah, just hand this to her. Here. Just put it in her pile of things to knit. <laughs> and when she gets to, oh my God, what is this? It just appears. like. Yep. 
Wait, what's happening? <laughs> oh my god. No, no, no. This is what knitting looks like. Mal will be freaking out. I assume so, yes. I don't know. I knitted it. <laughs> uh, this one comes from John Wiggins. So wouldn't Cybox still be alive in this alternate JJ universe? Uh, yes, I actually. Think so. I think we. I think when Trek 1 came out, mm-hmm. we talked about how he would actually be a really good bad guy to bring in for Trek 2. Yeah. Like, no, the I'm... concept of Cybox is good. We, we talked about this before. I think this originally Flunk brought this up. Yes, that was it. That um, if you want to redo old stories, what you do is you take the shitty ones mm-hmm. and do them well. Yeah, it's something the um, the comic did well for a while. A little bit. Yeah. But um, no, just like uh, Cybok's a great concept that was poorly executed in one of the worst movies I've ever had the okay, now would you to watch. I, would you say that he is a worse villain than uh, Balthazar Edison? Legitimately, because Amanda and I had this conversation. I don't actually. know, because I actually think Cybok. Cybok has more going on. He was at least related to one of our characters. Yep. He had a motive that I didn't entirely understand, but understood more than mm-hmm. than Kral slash Balthazar. Yeah, no, I yeah, I would say he's a better villain than Balthazar. And if they took another pass at a script, did a second draft, just made him a little better, like that might uh, that might work. I just realized how badly I want a t- like just a black t-shirt that just says Balthazar Edison and just nothing else. <laughs> in a in a particular font? Uh you know, I guess it could use a Star Trek font, but honestly, I don't care. Fair enough. Just Balthazar Edison. Yeah. That yes, works. I'm wearing the shirt again. <laughs> now you can't just rhyme it with again every time. But it works so well. I know, but you gotta you gotta. I don't have to put any thought into it ever. Oh well, all right. That's that is usually the key to a bit for us. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> Uh, let's see, this one comes from Danny, and it is a comment on the episodes Night and Drone. Hey guys, the Borg children don't happen until next season, uh, with season 6, episode 16, Collective. So Something to look forward to? I don't know, Flonk says the Borg children are one of the worst things, that's something I've heard him say, but Mm -hmm. we don't always agree with Flonk. We like Voyager more than he does, so maybe... And also the last child that got introduced turned out to be the best character on the show, so... That's true. That is absolutely true. Season 5 is mostly even split between good and bad episodes that Voyager has, but at least you've got Season 5 episode Latent Image, which is the best Doctor episode. I don't remember that one. Oh, wait, we didn't like that one, so sorry, we disagree with you. That was the one where uh, he his fake memory of the person dying, and uh, they blanked his memory, and then oh. Kate talked to him on a couch. Oh, and, yeah, I hated yeah. that episode, sorry. Yeah. And season six, episode one, Equinox, the best two-part episode. Look forward to. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I, n- I don't think we're going to agree with you there either. Because so I, I, Equin- first part of Equinox was fine. It was padded though. It was padded. Padded but, as I mean, hell. It was definitely not the worst two-parter I've seen on Voyager. I suppose. Might have been. Mm, we'll see. Yeah, we haven't seen the second part yet, so it's hard to say. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from Stacy. I wasn't sure if you knew, but your off-tangent conversations about He-Man and Skeletor, which ones, are actually on topic. Tom Paris, Robert Duncan McNeil, was in the 1987 live-action oh Masters of the Universe movie. Oh my god, he was! I forgot about that! Surprisingly, it isn't that terrible, although I was drinking at the time, so my judgment may have been a bit off. Keep up the good works. You know about Master of the Universe, the, uh, the Jack Kirby's New Gods movie? Is that what it was? It originally, it almost was, or something. It was like a pitch, and... Or, I forget what the the deal there is, but like it was super heavily influenced by uh, the New God stuff. Ah, I 
So, you know, a reason for you not to watch it. My I, my brother watched it a lot, but mm-hmm. I that's one of the ones I usually was on my way somewhere else. It also has other hero of the 90s, Courtney Cox, in it. Ah, yes. You mean Courtney Cox Arquette? Yes. And Frank Welker as... Wait, no, no, not Frank, Frank Welker. Frank Langella. Frank Langella as the Skeletor. Yes. Not Frank Welker. Frank Welker was... If there was a dog in that movie, Frank, Mel- <laughs> Frank Welker was And Frank dog. Welker as the dog. Always. Always the dog. Uh, let's see. This one comes from Nick. Not that Nick. Different Nick. Uh, so in Extreme Risk, and the whole Belle Paris thing, wasn't the implication that Paris was the one patching her up from her holodeck injuries? Oh, that's when she's like a cutter, basically. Oh, yeah. When she's off like, I gotta do more fighting to get out my mm-hmm. Klingon anger. That's how I took the comment from Chuck based on what the doctor told him, and the treatment looked like it was done by someone with the skill of a first-year medical student. Yeah, that makes be. sense, yeah. As for the probe, I thought Seven said something about it being built with Borg shields or the like, but I may have been imagining a more interesting plot. Yeah, we do that a lot. Mm-hmm. The problem is when um, we complain about something and they actually didn't say it, we just weren't paying attention because the episode was boring. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's always embarrassing. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of times that I, I miss important plot points because I'm bored. Mm-hmm. I'm not, or I'm not even looking. Yeah. Like, I'll listen, but I don't look, and you'll say, well, it's obviously that fan. Yeah. Or whatever. That fucking fan. You do love that fan. I No, I don't. Some very, so very, very much. You know I don't love that fan. <laughs> uh, this one just came in from our friend Tidro. Shut off the presses. Uh, since Hatchery Kim is already on yep, Voyager, Hatchery. why can't you just guide him a chance? Kisses Tidro. I, I think I get the joke that she's making. Mm-hmm. But uh, sorry, your typos have rendered this illegible. So uh, your, your email has been dis... Uh, Disallowed. Disqualified is the word. Disintegrated. Yes. Uh, let's see. This one comes from a Dane. Dear Matt Now, I'm sure this won't change your opinion of the episode Timeless, nor should it, and it has little relevance to anything, but since it's bothering me because I'm that kind of person, I'm going to point it out anyways. In your review, you seem to kind of misremember that it was Harry who figured out the slipstream drive wasn't going to work when it was actually Tom. Harry was just the one who came up with the idea of how to solve the problem. This is the uh, mullet Harry in the future. Oh, uh, mullet Harry in the future. You know. No. Let's remember all the greatest hits of season five, won't we? No, Matt? I hate him. <laughs> He's terrible. What he, really? He should have had a scar. What really bothers me about that episode is that they could have just had about anyone do what Harry did, and it would have been more qualified, more experienced than him, and probably wouldn't have fucked it up. But Harry is a special boy, and also because plot. They'd had seven do it instead of Harry. It would have been a much better episode. No one would have died. They would not have had to deal with time bullshit. Anyways, I'm done now. I uh, agree, except that we would, would then miss the scene where someone pulls out uh, Seven's skull to use the bits inside of it. Yeah, but basically what she's saying is, like, Harry's terrible, and can we stop looking at Harry all the time? We agree. And the answer is yes. Um, and speaking of that, I'm actually going to skip to another email that we have from more recently. All right. Because this is a great... Uh, conversation, uh, how to make Voyager 1000% better. Hey guys, copying and pasting the Twitter convo I had with Al a few days ago. This is from Aaron. Uh, Voyager would be vastly improved if they replaced Harry with a golden retriever puppy in a little Starfleet uniform. Yes! It would solve so many problems. Why he never gets promoted beyond Ensign. Why he and Tom are instant best friends. Why Janeway wakes him up in the morning. Why he's confused about wanting to hump seven. (laughs) And instead of a clarinet, he replicates the world's biggest rawhide shoe. You did it. You saved the day. Yep. And see, now, 
they, I mean, they obviously didn't do that, but we can now, if we're getting really irritated with Harry, just like drift off and start thinking of him as a little golden retriever puppy, and that'll just make it so much better. Why rub you, Rainway? Rhyme a Russia Roy. <laughs> oh, uh, dear. That's the best. Yep. Pretty great. Uh, let's see what we got here. Oh, this was the uh, fan art, and I believe I pointed this out on the show, but I certainly mm. will again. Um, this is from D. Uh, it's an old friend of Richard's who wrote us the Special Boy song. Ah, yes. And uh, D made a uh, cover art for it, which we posted on postonomicar.com. We will definitely do that again, put it mm. in the show notes again. Uh, D says, I listen to the podcast on my way to work. Every now and then I realize I'm grinning ridiculously when my expression prompts an answering smile from one of my fellow commuters. Singapore is a super dense, high-pressure environment. We could all use a, form, a few more random smiles on our way to our day job. Aww. Just to say the ripples you guys are sending out into the collective pond are the good ones. Aw, thank you. I, I really like hearing That's that. really Thanks. nice. Yeah. Ah, this one is from Lauren, a uh, guy who drew us that fantastic drawing of um, Kira and Ducat as the Roadrunner and the Coyote. Uh, of course. Some time back. Hi there, fellows. Hello. I think Star Trek Beyond is the second best of all the films in the franchise. Discuss. Uh, we, mm. we, we just did. Uh, seriously, I am in awe of this movie. I didn't expect very much after that initial trailer last Christmas, but it really delivers on the promise of the 2009 Abrams flick, which I definitely still love, but having rewatched both of them in a single week, not quite as much as this new one. And since there are almost no ties to Into Darkness, I can now completely forget the second movie ever existed. Yup. Yeah. Freed from the burden of an origin story, getting the band together, as Matt called it, and freed from the task of establishing the alternate timeline gimmick, we can now have a full movie containing an actual plot with varying degrees of success. I don't know that I'd call it a plot. Yeah, it's really more sort of, It's a... Beyond feels very much like a list of things that happened. Yeah, an excuse to get these characters back together. Like, I don't know that I would... There's not a There's not a whole lot of story there so much as just, you know, a line of action sequences, mm-hmm. really. Sort yeah. of glued together by talkie bits. Uh, I like the talkie bits. And yeah. I, I like the action... Like, don't get me wrong. I like the action sequences. I just... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Beyond has just about everything I want in a modern Trek movie. It's fun, it's exciting, it's emotional, it has great character moments, updated tech. I love seeing the new Universal Translator in action. Me too. Mm-hmm. Cool scenery, both the alien planet and the incredible space uh-huh. station. And uniquely designed aliens. I must admit, I don't have the same problems with the villain you guys do. Insert song here. Balthazar Edison, you don't like, oh, we don't like him like you do. <laughs> I think he's about on par with Nero. He's there, but the movie's really about our heroes, including new heroine Jayla. Mm-hmm. Like how Spider-Man 2 had Doc Ock, but wasn't focused on the bad guy. I guess, but we spent a lot of time listening to this guy if it wasn't focused on uh-huh. him. Like, Nero had five minutes of monologue. This guy had, like, 20. On the plus side, Nero. one thing Nero and Crawl uh, uh, have mm-hmm. in common is that they're both stupid goofs. Yeah, also true. Hi, Jim. I'm Nero. <laughs> I know this is not everyone's opinion in the new movie. I also know I'm not the only one who feels this way. Maybe my feelings will change a bit after it comes out on Blu-ray and I've had a chance to watch it a few more times. Uh, the final voyage of Vincent Pavel Chekhov. Aw, oh, and he's got a frowny face. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it is really just a, a terrible crime that uh, I, I finally started liking Chekhov and now he's gone. Yeah. Just the worst. Just, uh, I really want to check out him out in that uh, Green Room movie, too, with Patrick Stewart, which is supposed to be fantastic. Oh, I'm not aware of that. I, I was talking to Bob about it. Or mm. I was talking to someone I was watching. Because you can just watch conversations on Twitter. Sure. Uh, let's see. This one comes from David. 
Dear Messers. Hi, David. Ooh, we're, I'm we're, we're Messers now. All right. Uh, in light of your love for Dark Frontier, that one with the Borg Queen and Seven's Three Moms, I, I genuinely yeah. appreciate you reminding us because at the end of a season, we don't remember. Especially with some of these oh, vague just a titles. Bunch of Voyager. Ugh. Like, in the way that, like, uh, Deep Space Nine had the, like, the Seinfeld titles, mm. the, the whatever. Oh, no, no. That was. That was late next gen. That's right. DS9 just had super generic titles. Yeah. And so does Voyager. Voyager has super generic titles, but they're also super 90s. Some of them. Like, Dark Frontier is the Dark most 90s. Dark Frontier. But sometimes they have cool titles like uh, the Voyager Conspiracy mm-hmm. or the Omega Directive. Or, like, Omega they've had Directive some cool. Good. Yeah. But, um, no, the, when I first saw Dark Frontier, the first thing that popped into my head was those weird alternate universe porno oh, romance novels what they put those, out. What are those actually called? I don't know. There's there's at least two of them. Is it Dark Passions? Might be. <laughs> if anyone knows if it's Dark Passions or not, let me know. It might be Dark Passions, but... I, I feel like it might be Dark Passions. I have copies of them, but I'd have to get up and look for them, and I don't want to do that. Al, I found your copy of Dark Passions. <laughs> it's there, there are these romance novels set in the Mirror Universe, and they have sexy versions of all the lady characters. Yep. So you get sexy Counselor Troy, sexy Seven of Nine, mm-hmm. sexy Bever, and it's just like, no, Blah. no thank you. Anyway, uh, in light of your love of Dark Frontier, I was reminded of Brandon Braga's recent comments on the board. I tweeted the video, a question in a panel, uh, about who the best Star Trek species was at Al a few weeks ago, but I think this full quote bears repeating. Look, the Borg, I love the Borg. I wrote a lot of episodes with the Borg and Voyager, and I wrote First Contact, and the reason I disagree with you that they're the best Star Trek species is that they're villains, but they're deeply flawed concept. They're cool, the idea of the collective and how threatening that might be to a free society and a free-thinking society, but they're zombies. They're really boring when you think about it. Yeah, I, yeah. And it goes on like that. Like, I, I totally agree with that. Like, there's not much to them, and every time they try to make them broader than zombies, it They're, doesn't really work for me. These things aren't going to blow anyone's mind. <laughs> I think the reason... What are you doing? I think the reason the Borg go off the rails a bit by the end of Voyager is that Braga is desperately trying to humanize them rather than keeping them as a storm or a force of nature. Mm. They don't push the Voyager crew to the brink like they ought. Uh, yeah, probably, but I mean, we haven't seen them get ruined yet. I assume that no, still happens. No, I'm sure but... it'll still happen, but you're not, like... We've talked about this. The the Borg as force of nature, usually better than the Borg as angry people. Well, I mean, Lore's Magic Castle versus all the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, Lore's Magic Castle. Just just the worst. Take me to the Magic Castle. <laughs> Gothic Castle. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Deke. And he says, I know this won't stop the pain, but it might explain it. Voyager writers have been listening to too much Bon Jovi that week. Oh. And it is the Bon Jovi, uh, the two Bon Jovi videos, Social Disease and Bad Medicine. There, now, isn't life better? Now, I'm, I'm not sure what this is in relation to, whatever we were doing October 18th. Mm. But uh, I will I will put these Bon Jovi videos in the show notes, because I don't know why. Here, Cause I'm Bon thorough. Jovi. Yeah. Uh, let's see, this one comes from Steven. I'm listening to you guys in my car for the past year, starting with TNG, and I bit the bullet and started watching DS9 for the first time, listening to your podcast. Yes! Really enjoying DS9, and I'm shocked at how much I loved it compared to TNG. I'm a huge yes. TNG fan. Keep up the good work. It's pretty funny to hear you guys talk about the third Star Trek movie when it just came out on DVD in my timeline. I do have to say that I thought the movie was terrible all the way through, and I listened to your supplemental about Beyond. It's the first time we disagreed on something. However, I disagree. However, I agree with every other review, including the DS9 hat episode. Face palm. 
Finally. <laughs> oh, so vindicated. I hate you, hat guy. I hate him so much. I do have a supplemental question. Probably won't get to hear my answer for a really long time because I'm so far behind. That is true. But I'm hoping I'm in line asking a question not related to Voyager, which I believe you're at. But here goes. On the DS9 Defiant episode when Tom Riker met O'Brien, what was the dispute between them about? I understand it was most likely Thomas's way to avoid being found out, but O'Brien seemed to go along with it. I was amazed it wasn't brought up in your episode review. Really curious to hear your thoughts on the topic. Did I we do... bring that up? I thought we talked about that. I remember noticing it because he's like, he knows what he did. I I thought that was a great um, like that. I thought that was a great thing on Thomas Riker's part to what like the only person on DS9 who knows anything about him. Like mm-hmm. if he's just like you know what you did, and he doesn't. Yeah. Like, it's a good way to, like, not have to talk to him, keep him away from himself. And it's awkward, so you don't, like, you're not just going to explain it. Yeah, like, exactly. It's like, actually, I think it's actually was, like, a really clever yeah. way for him to, you know, get around this guy. I agree. And I, I didn't think there was anything to it. I thought he was just, like, using that as a as a tactic to, like, yeah. you know, make him feel bad and make him go away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. This is from Iron Wolf 56 I, I assume that's their real name. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever they talk about how Harry is special in this episode, I want to splice in that clip of Hagrid saying, You're a wizard, Harry. You're a very special wizard, Harry. <laughs> special boys and where to find them. In a briefcase, apparently. <laughs> uh, let's see. This one comes from Barkeron. This is a very long one. Let's see. I'm afraid I have to strongly disagree about course oblivion. One of your major criticisms of Voyager is your hyper focus on the network man. Oh, this is the one where all the all the fake uh, the fake Voyager crew just melted. Oh, the fucking yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I read this before. This is gut punching tragedy. This guy says mm. that's the bleak nihilism that elevated DS Nine. The problem is it's not because you know they're not the real Voyager. It's not like your your heart is breaking watching anyone you give a fuck about die. You're watching guys you know are not the real guys. Whatever happens doesn't matter. And it just, that really bugged me. I will say I stand by the everyone dies at the end ending and they never find out who, like... I, that would have been the okay. The real Voyager's but, like, what happened here? I guess we'll never know. But like we talked about at the time, if they presented it differently, yeah. it would have had more impact. Instead, it was almost like a joke. Yeah. And I just, I didn't, I didn't care. The melting ship. I have heard a couple of people say that's their favorite episode, though. This guy and a few other people have, have said that, and it's like, okay. All right, if that's the case, you know. If that's your cool. opinion, then good, but it's not ours. I just, I don't like, I like Bleak. I really do. Yeah. I like horrible, like, I don't want all of Star Trek to be like that, because that's not what Star Trek is, but from time to time, that's like DS9. Yeah, exactly. But from time to time, DS9 did some really good Bleak, mm-hmm. and... It mattered to me because they were characters I was attached to. And when something horrible happened to Kira, I cared because that's Kira. And I spent six years getting used to Kira. But these guys we knew from, like, the second act were not real people and just melted and died. And And just, like, like, the fact that they're just, like, they're leftovers from another stupid episode. Yeah. No, I just, I did not care for it. This one comes from Spurious K. Obviously their real name. Uh, it seems like season five is at the highest ratio of episodes with utterly stupid premises that turn out reasonably enjoyable, generally through strength of characters. In contrast, season three's very high ratio of episodes with stupid premises that remain stupid and were frequently sabotaged by characters. Mm-hmm. But season five has plenty of okay premises turning out to be awful episodes, so it's been a real up and down. It's like, a, it's a real roller coaster watching Voyager. I know, well, roller coasters are fun. Mm. It's like, um, 
It's been a real mood swing. It's a real small world. No, it's a real mood mood swing, I would say. Because one day you wake up and you're just depressed. Mm-hmm. And then one day you're not depressed, but the next day you might be depressed again. One day you wake up and Harry's there. <sighs> Standing on your chest. Hey, buddy. We're going to be best friends. <sighs> Telephone. Oh, I hate him so much. I'm going to be the wait, captain someday. No. Golden Retriever puppy. Now I like him. Good, good special boy. Aw. Will uh, you throw this stick for me? Anyway, as I've been writing this in bits as you progress through the season, this is now the segment of dislike characters who I dislike less than Harold Kim. Mm. Wesley from season two onward. Chekhov. Gotta have a proper funeral guy from Spock versus the Giants. I, um... The funeral director, right. I would just like to say that guy passed away this week. Aw. Yeah. <laughs> well, they better give him a funeral. That's something I was listening to, and they were listing off, you know, just people who passed away this week. Mm-hmm. It's like, and this guy, I'm like, fucking the director of funerals? What the fuck? <laughs> Why they thought to do two Herald-centric episodes back-to-back in the running order, followed by a Chuck episode. Were they trying to murder their ratings so they'd have to stop writing for the show? They were trying to murder us personally, I know that much. The fight has the lowest viewer count, according to Wikipedia's US viewers watching on original release, Good. of the entirety of season five. Good. I'm terrified by the knowledge that the scene of Neelix massaging Chuck can't not have led to slash fiction based on it. I just, all I can do is picture in my mind the, the commercial for that episode. This week on Voyager, Chakotay, yeah. Chakotay is a boxer who gets massaged by Neelix. <laughs> Be there. <laughs> will he take his shirt off? No. No, he will not. Because I... Robert Beltram is not proud of his body. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Because the world we live in is not a nice enough place for that politely to just refuse to exist. <laughs> anyway, I'll end this by not defending Enterprise. Thank you. Uh, because I consider it to be awful for over 50% of its episodes. But I'll at least give you something to rail about. Might need to change the show formula slightly, because otherwise there will be a lot of my bad thing. Everyone is stupid and bad. <laughs> Maybe how would I fix this segment? The old, uh, give the old creativity brain muscles a stretch and channel their age. I mean, if you're having trouble at this point in Voyager, further than I got, rage is almost inevitable. Listen, I'm six years into a podcast. I don't do creative anymore. (laughs) We got a nice formula. (laughs) Formula is Greek for rut. (laughs) The thing is, the whole whole point of the good thing, bad thing exercise is to force us, Mm -hmm. when we love something, to find something critical and vice versa. Like... In in I knew that that's why we discussed this. We knew going into Voyager, like we weren't gonna like some episodes, and it's, it forces us to say, you know what? There was at least something good about yep. this. Or when it's an episode like Trials and Tribulations, where it's like I need the whole time, like yep. I need to be a little critical, and I need to find something. There must be something in, in that one. There wasn't, but in, yeah. in most other ones, there is. I believe our bad thing for that episode was not every week. Yeah. Uh, this one comes from John Wiggins. The one and only good thing about this episode, oh, relativity, uh, which I think you guys missed, was the motive the guy had for destroying slash killing Voyager. It's because he was fed up with all the time shit they had to fix that Voyager did. If that's not a good enough reason, I don't know what it, what is, and I wish he had succeeded. Fair enough. That's a fair point. That's true. No, the guy was the guy completely fed up with all their all their time. Meddling. Why always going to go back in time all the time? <laughs> Stop it. Just think right. of think of something else. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough, guy. All right, you know what? You you go back and stop Mr. and Mrs. Kim from uh, from doing it this one night. <laughs> we will do what you say. Um, Harry Kim's evil doppelganger, evil doppelganger, Errol Kim. 
I was thinking like Terry Kim, <laughs> Jerry bad. Kim. He could just go through all the names that uh, Jerry from Parks did. Larry Kim. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one comes from longtime uh, uh, friend of the show, Arissa. Yeah. And she says, hi, Matt Now You mentioned not understanding why one might like Beyond when they didn't like the first two new tracks. Yeah, we did. We, we heard about some people who didn't like the first two and mm-hmm. liked Beyond, and I, I didn't really get that. I thought I would give you a reason why. Mature Kirk, better than cocky douche Kirk. Fair. I like Beyond a lot more than the first two. Uh, this is the first time where I felt Kirk was actually a captain. The first two, I found him to be kind of dumb, immature creep. And beyond, he had an existential crisis, which I deeply relate to. Didn't perv on any women. Oh, God, why is not forcing one's attention on uninterested women such a hard, hard to reach low bar? Seriously. Fair point. In general, I related to Kirk so much more, and I liked rooting for a mature captain. Well, I think that was deliberate. Like, mm-hmm. I think they were trying to, like, grow him and evolve him over the movies. And, and they, I think they've done a good job of it. Absolutely, they have. And I agree. Like, I totally responded to that as well. Like, I, this is, like, the payoff of all the growth. He lost his actual dad he lost his father like his surrogate father figure he's got to make it on his own now and and he totally does and he's got a good support system but you know i you have no idea how happy i was that he didn't hook up with jayla in the movie like, i me too it's I'll, so just it was so refreshing the thing is i i 100 agree with arissa here no no question mm. but that is kirk he was created in the 60s that was okay back then it's it's not as okay now but it is still if you're going to go back and recreate that character, it's a big part of who he is. And it's a hard line to walk because you don't want to do a throwback to the old creepy days. Yeah. But on the other hand, if you're reviving a thing from the 60s, you kind of got to keep the characters the way they were. So how do you walk that line? And I think this is how they did it. They showed him being like that when he was young and growing out of it. Yeah. And that's a good way to that's a good way to, to do that, I think. Mm-hmm. I will say Chekhov took over for him. There's a lot of Chekhov macking on yep. ladies in this one, which I, I kind of there's a there's a nice little thread of him taking Chekhov under his wing and clearly showing him like not just how to be a captain and how to like do yeah. Starfleet stuff. But there's there seems to be a bit of not quite a father son thing, but like a like an older brother thing. Yeah, like I'll I'll make you a fake ID and I'll show you how to like I'll show you which teachers are the ones you can get around. Here, or, I buy yeah. you a Playboy. Yeah, exactly. And. uh I'll tell mom and dad these are my smokes. Yep. So you don't get in trouble. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And and they showed Chekhov a few times hooking up with some random aliens. And yeah. it, it felt like, and it's too bad. I mean, it's too bad for a lot of reasons yeah. that Anton Yelchin is no longer with us. But like, it felt like that's what they were doing is like, okay, we still need this character. So Kirk has grown up a little. And yeah. now, now this Chekhov's job. <laughs> yes. There's a great bit where, um, in, in Beyond, where they meet up with Jayla, and, and Scotty's like, uh, this wee little man is Pavel Chekhov. And what did he say? This this gorgeous creature this is... This gorgeous bastard. I, that's it. Gorgeous bastard. is James T. Kirk. I just picture Kirk like, thanks, Scotty. I never knew you felt that way about me. <laughs> We're probably going to talk about this later. I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. I am an Adonis. Look, the very first shot after the exterior of the Enterprise, the first shot of a character in that movie, is a tight close-up of Chris Pine's gorgeous blue eyes. Oh, man. Seriously. And they zoom out from there. And, I mean, that's how I would have done it. These my beautiful eyes. (laughs) Sparkly blue eyes. Um, This one comes from James. Uh, First, a very important question for Matt. Which is more egregious, that fan on the Tropical Holodeck program or Cisco's tiny shovel in the desert? Oh! Oh. Well, which one? Mm-hmm. 
あ,あファーク<笑> Did we break you? Okay. The, no. But the, the shovel is.、Mm, you can't. There's no reason. Come back to me. Alright.、So, uh, now, although this Voyager season, upcoming discovery in the TNG era book has provided plenty of things to write about, I wanted to talk about Neelix. Oh god, I just read that again. Pressing on. <laughs> Specifically, I wanted to write a defense of Neelix. Why? Certainly not a defense of his existence, and definitely not his behavior prior to the fourth season. I would just like to point out the writers did a pretty thorough course correction on the character after the third season. There are no more bothering people at the beginning of every episode. That did go away for a while, however, this season、It、toward the end. It just came back again. Yeah. yeah, there's like the last five or six episodes of the season, most of them open with him accosting someone. Oh, I noticed you were going somewhere. Hey, can I be the engineer this week? I'm no. I'm very important. Ugh. Uh, there have been far fewer Neelix centric episodes. I can barely think of any. And the removal of Kess also removed that abomination of a relationship.、Uh-huh. He seems like a different character to me, more along the lines of a guy in there to offer advice or be a sounding board. I, I think that's what they want him to be. I、yeah. would agree with that if it didn't feel like, you know, like a two by, by four had fallen on Guinan's head. <laughs> oh no, my hat! P- possibly crushing her already flat hat. Uh, there's also some tolerable comic relief. That this is me shaking my head violently at the camera in disagreement.、Uh, Cite off- your sources. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Citation needed. <laughs> and quite often the humor comes at his expense.、Uh, I actually quite like the role of showing the drunk ambassador around the ship. I can now see why the Voyager crew keeps him around. Okay, I will actually. Bad, yeah. yeah. When, when he's being wacky and Tuvok or Seven have to roll their eyes and deal with him, that is actually、mm-hmm. kind of funny to me. Legitimately, like in a classic comedy. The, the, the straight guy has to、yeah. deal with the wacky guy thing. And also, there's、uh, with the ambassador thing. It's, it's got like, Thompson. Yeah, suddenly,、right? su- yeah, suddenly you flip it around.、Mm-hmm. And suddenly there's a, another wacky guy, and you've been out wackied. And, This、oh, guy's crazy. What do I do? He's putting hair in all the soup. That's my job. Yeah. Why did you put all that hair in that soup? Basically, as I rewatch Voyager all these years,、uh, after all these years, my lasting memory of him based on latter seasons seems to be accurate. Pointless yet inoffensive. I absolutely agree he shouldn't be in staff meetings. Was Guinan or Quark? No, never. No. Guinan, when Guinan came up to the bridge in that one episode, it was a huge deal. That was yesterday's Enterprise、yeah. because the whole fucking timeline had changed. Like, Picard's like, okay, it's nice to see you, but what the fuck? I'm Look, working. We're BFF, but this is inappropriate. I told you never to bother me at work. I'm Captain Picard. I'm Captain Picard. And Quark was not allowed in any staff meetings. God, no. Because he'd steal the coasters. We'd see him once or twice in ops, and we'd be like, what, 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 is Odo dead? How did he get up there? The, I, apparently, the security、uh, checkpoints are all down this week. Like, da, like、uh, Dax will come down to the bar and pay her tab、mm-hmm. later. Don't come bother her at work. Hey, I just thought I'd see what you guys were up to. <laughs> I was watching some old Buffy, and I almost. Like, I didn't forget、mm-hmm. that Armin Shimmerman was the principal, but I, I just put it out of my mind and it's like, oh, yeah, right, Quark. That's weird. And it just, he's such a strict authority figure、yep. that it's Quark playing Odo. Listen, Summers. What's a, happening? Yeah. <laughs> I've got my eye on you. What? It's like, wait a minute. Don't step out of line or else you don't know what's going to happen.、That's, what the fuck is going on? I don't know. We're doing, we're doing Quark as Janeway, both of us. I、are. guess so. He. he We went through the entire DS9 and I never nailed a quark. No, it's a hard. That came off 
wrong. <laughs> no, I think you nailed it. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Uh, a Tom Paris cor- course correction it is not, but it is one nevertheless. The same can never be said of Special Boy or Chuck. Oh. I would almost say that uh, Special Boy's gotten worse. Oh, he's absolutely gotten worse. Because we started off liking him well enough. Or he was, uh, to, to use uh, James' uh, uh, expression, pointless yet inoffensive. <laughs> Chuck is still that to me. Yes. he. I still don't hate him. I just find him boring and not worth going into. Yep. But, like, no, the, the, the moment I started disliking Harry is really easy to pinpoint. Mm-hmm. It's literally the episode where they started calling him the Special Boy. Yeah. The episode where that planet of women talked about how special he was. Yep. And I remember this distinctly because it was just before Emerald City. Our friend Tidro was visiting, mm-hmm. who is still remains one of the only uh, true Harry Kim cheerleaders. Mm-hmm. Like, one of the only people who actually likes him. And she watched the episode with me and hated it. it was, so we both together yep. reached that point at the same time where it was like, ugh, this is, this is lousy. Ugh. Special boy. Special boy, special boy. He's a very special boy. Uh, this one comes from Mike X. Boy, this is another another friend of old. This guy was writing to us in like the first year of Sarcastic oh, gee, Voyage. Yeah. He goes way back. Hey, uh, hey, Matt and Alan, assorted Hello. guests. So, congratulations on finishing another season of Voyager, and also winning on that winning that Nobel Peace Prize for podcast perseverance. Take that, all other podcasts. I mean, really, yeah, we we definitely deserve that. Who's the real heroes here? Us, uh, always us. Yeah, I don't have a question. Okay. I wanted to bring the discussion back to the word phage. Oh, you mean that word that's not a real word? Which is still definitely not a word. Mm-hmm. It was, in fact, invented by the science fiction writer Lewis Paget in the classic... Lewis Paget Brewster? Possibly. Uh, in the classic 1953 short story, Ring Around the Rosie. In that story, phage refers to an alien disease that causes humans to break out in spots, grow hair in unusual places, and speak in a squeaky voice. This is all definitely true, and there's no need to look it up to confirm. Seriously, made up word clo- case closed. All right. Good. Good work. Anyway, the show's been great. It's always entertaining and always the highlight of my Monday morning. Oh, thank you. I know you guys haven't been having a lot of fun with the watching, but it's been fun listening. Well, I, I do. I'll take that. Genuinely appreciate it. Yeah. When people say, like, thank you, the show makes Monday better and so forth. Thanks for watching this so I don't have to. <laughs> yeah. We are the canaries in the Star Trek coal mine. <laughs> and, and these canaries say, don't go in this mine. It will kill you. Uh, this one comes from Deke. Quoting Amanda. Opens with a quote. Yeah. Quote from Amanda. I don't like doing things that I don't like. <laughs> She's just nodding. Just give an expression like, that's yeah, that sounds that right. That sums up most of what I know about Amanda. <laughs> Finally, Voyager's delivering on his promise to disappoint and be <laughs> extremely middle of the road and unforgettable. Isn't it wonderful? No, well, it's something. Just imagine, fellow listeners. Imagine Matt and Al suffering week after week, plowing through each tedious episode, sometimes crying. Sometimes folding laundry or washing dishes just to break the monotony of anomalies. Mm-hmm. Imaginary no-stake stories and the adventures of Harold and Neelix. And he spells Neelix N-E-L-E-X. Yes, I know I misspelled Neelux's name. Nexlus's name. Nexlus's name. <laughs> but I don't care. He's such a stupid, stupid Nelex that I don't care. <laughs> so the next time you write in to complain that Al forgot the difference between a medical phaser and a torpedo tricorder, or that Matt forgot his own name... Just remember the sacrifice these poor bastards make week after week for our amusement. Who are the real heroes? The veterans. The veterans are the real heroes. But Matt and Al are still pretty okay guys for suffering so much for our benefit. Hey. He also makes a reference to a real world uh, occurrence that we are not going to acknowledge on this show. Sorry. Just not gonna. Uh, Deke says, I meant forgettable, not unforgettable. Who cares what I meant? No one. That's who. Deke is another one who's been writing to us since we started podcasting in 2009. 
uh, Spurious K writes in and says, uh, the title is That Generic Screech Sound Effect Dickbats Made. <laughs> I wish the ghosts were dickbats. Then Harold could have been carried off by one. Where to? Eh, who cares? Into a space anus, perhaps. There was a um, there's a Lovecraft story I can't remember the name of now where <laughs> aliens would come down and carry people away and then just leave them on high pillars in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> That's what I want to happen to Harry. <laughs> but Voyager doesn't come for him. He's just <laughs> stranded there. Yeah, he's just standing on a pillar in the middle, of, surrounded by other empty pillars. Mm-hmm. In the uh, background, dick bats flying around. <laughs> just recycle that animation over. <laughs> Uh, this one comes from Gay Scott. Hey, Gay Scott. Uh, Al, you have been reading the unauthorized oral <laughs> oral history, the 50-year voyage. So is Matt, actually. Thrust. <laughs> Has anything you read changed your opinions of any of the series or Star Trek in general? Well, we can both answer this. I will tell you this right now. Um, that book both gave me more respect for Gene Roddenberry and then took it away. Really? What 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 stuff like, did you gain respect a for? A lot of the early stuff is about him sort of fighting for the show and, like, you know, fighting to make it better. Mm-hmm. And then after season one or two... Well, it's season two when they canceled and then the, the fans got yeah. them brought back. And it seemed, it, like, at that point, it seemed like he was really sort of getting behind the fans and, like, yeah, we're going to work together to, to make the, to keep this show that you guys love so much going. And then it... Well, the network didn't give him the time slot he no, wanted. No, and so Gene went off into a sulk. And, and quit. And quit, yeah. Like, Gene Roddenberry did not... What was he, just producer on the third season? Yeah, like I mean, he, he chimed in from time to time, but he had almost no creative input. But, like, input. he was done. He was off working on other stuff. He oh, no. Working. Other stuff was selling knockoff Star Trek merchandise out of the trunk of his yeah. car. Like He invented the Idic pendant just so he could sell them. Yeah. And we talked about that way back when we covered that episode. That was in Memory Alpha. We knew about that. And but. then just on and on and on. And the more I read about Gene Roddenberry, the more I hate Gene Roddenberry. And I went into this show with a pretty low opinion of Gene Roddenberry. Um, finding out that he was the one who leaked the fact that Spock dies in Trek 2 was one of the shittiest things I ever read. And then doing it again in Trek 3, he also leaked that the Enterprise gets destroyed mm-hmm. because he was because he was mad that they weren't using his save. J- we have to save JFK's life. Well, this was by the point when they had kicked him upstairs, as yeah. they say, and he wasn't in charge anymore. So his his bitter, like, revenge yeah. was to just ruin it for them. I just, uh Yeah. He, Gene Roddenberry is terrible. I, and he had a great, he had, he had a great idea. The thing is, he, I go back and forth. Like, I don't hate him as much as you do. I certainly don't think he deserves all the credit that he gets. Mm-hmm. But I still am hesitant to completely just say he was terrible forever. Like, these, there were some good things about him. I also learned that he insisted people call him the great bird of the galaxy, which yeah, that's, I didn't know. If he didn't make it up, he embraced it very early. Uh-huh. And that's that's terrible. You call me the great bird. I'm a great bird. <laughs> Scraw! Well, it is your favorite thing. Bird sound effects. <laughs> That's why I love The Simpsons so much. You get that shot of the nuclear plant. Every time. Oh. I don't know what that is. 20-some years that show's been on the air. I still don't know what that's about. <laughs> they haven't done an episode about the power plant crow, have they? Nope. Still. So, see, there's still life left in that yeah. show. <laughs> if I were right for that show, that's my pitch. We're doing something about the power, the power plant, plant crow. And now he moves in with The Simpsons for a year. No, I could live with, like, uh, Tire Fire Lady. Mm-hmm. Like, there's plenty of characters they probably haven't, like, done stuff about yet. Um, I, I've talked about this a bit on the show already, but I legitimately, this is not a joke. This is not a not a dream, not a not an alternate history. 
I genuinely gained a fair amount of respect for uh, Brandon Braga. Yeah. I was about to say tremendous. Not quite tremendous That's not respect, good enough but, uh, either, but uh, I, like he was honestly in my head for the longest time the guy who ruined Star Trek. I, f- I wrongly assume mm. the direction that Voyager, like late Next Gen and then Voyager and then Enterprise went in was all his fault. No, I still don't love his writing style. Yep. I still don't like the kind of stories he favors. But as a producer, as a showrunner, as a, as a guy who like trying to guide the general shape of the show, I respect just about everything like broad, big ideas that he yeah. had. I just don't like his individual episode yeah. ideas, but his, but his big plot ideas and his big, let's crash the ship. Let's, let's mix things up. Let's, let's like, he wanted to spend the whole first season of Enterprise on Earth building the ship, mm-hmm. like really bold ideas that they'd never done before. And usually, it was, this is the second part, mm-hmm. uh, the person I lost a tremendous amount of respect for, Rick Berman. Uh-huh. Usually Rick Berman said, no, we're not going to do that. Rick Berman, uh, according to this book from quotes from a lot of people who were there, is the reason we lost Terry Farrell. Yeah. Uh, Rick- uh, I don't know if we've done this or not, but I'd like to apologize for any comments I made about Terry Farrell leaving DS9 back in the day. Oh, I, I first of all, any... Uh, the, Going the, to work on Becker? Yeah. First of all, the any of the comments I made about her being opposed to the uh, girl kiss episode because that was yep. completely wrong. I don't know where that came from, but yeah. Second, so it turns out, and we may have talked about this show already, but I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this again mm. briefly. Uh, Rick Berman was sexually harassing her, her words, yeah. and it was backed up by I, I, at least one other person in this book. Mm. Uh, a lot of people didn't know that was going on, including. Um, Iris Stephen Bear. Iris Stephen Bear. Who is awesome. He is my favorite. He is my, I was about to say my favorite character. (laughs) He is my favorite real life character. The best way I've I've come to describe him, and again, I might have covered some of this on the show again, and I apologize if I'm repeating myself. I just want to make sure I've talked Mm. about this. Iris Stephen Bear is Harlan Ellison harnessed for good. Yeah. It is the best way I've thought of to describe, because he's got that same attitude, that same, you out of my way but everything he says and does i agree with and he's fighting for the right side and his his quote mm-hmm. i don't have the book in front of me but he basically said if i what he was harassing her if i'd known that i would have gone and punched him in the nose myself yeah. like he totally did not know what was going on yeah, no. and f- felt really bad that he was finding out now dude is great and like all all of the all of the serialized like war stuff, oh he fought for that like, so he hard tooth and nail for that crap and just and it Rick Berman was afraid of him. Yeah, so there were so many quotes from from uh, Barrett saying, "Yeah, I got that because Ber- uh, Berman didn't want to fight me." <laughs> and also a lot of quotes from Braga saying, "Yeah, Rick had lost a lot of fights with Iris Stephen Bear, and so I had to cave a lot because he felt like like he took it out on me and wouldn't let me try anything brave because they did it on the other show." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Braga just like I I couldn't fight twice as hard. Yeah, like I just I couldn't. I, I did my best, but I'm not Iris Stephen Bear. But anyway, so uh, Rick Berman was sexually harassing uh, Terry Farrell. Yep. Uh, Terry Farrell did not quit over this. What she said was, you know what? Can I can I maybe step back and not be one of the main guys? Like, you got seven main characters or eight main characters or whatever. Can I be one of those guys like... Uh, like Garrick. Like Garrick or Ducat yeah. or, or Rom or, or one of those guys you see... Four or five times, six times a season, and you do maybe one episode about him, but they're in the background and like just not be the main focus. And he's like, "No, you either star or you do nothing. We don't do part time." Mm-hmm. And she's like, "Okay, All right, see you around." She's like, "Well, I, I guess I'm not gonna come back then." And she quit. Mm-hmm. And like, it's something like not exactly this, but something like this. She quit on a Friday, and on the Monday, Becker called her and yeah. said, "Hey, we want you." 
So she didn't leave to do Becker. She just happened to fall into another job as soon as she quit. Mm-hmm. So she never left to so, do the other show. Yeah. So good for her. But it just happened. She didn't want to leave. Yeah. She needed other work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, nothing about what she did is bad. And I feel really bad about yeah. holding any of that against her. So hooray for you, Terry Farrell. Suck a dick, Rick Berman. Oh, there's so much. And I, like, really, go buy the uh, the 50-year the year mission? 50-year 50 50 year mission. Right. Yes. Um, Go, definitely go by that. The The first part had a lot of good stuff in it from the original series. I hadn't learned from the hundred books I've read about Star yeah. Trek. Second one covered so many things that I'd never read anywhere. Like, there aren't... I know there's a few books behind the scenes about Next Gen and DS9 and Voyager and Enterprise, but not a ton. Yeah. Nowhere near as much ink has been spilled over those shows as the original series. So a lot of it is new. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is recent enough that people are talking shit about it for the first time. Like, guys like... Jonathan Frakes and and Brent Spiner and those guys who always kind of wanted to play ball and do the Paramount yeah. like company line thing and not say anything bad. But I mean, like those guys are all enough time tiring is, and like yeah, enough time has passed and all the people whose feelings would get hurt are dead. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know what? This wasn't always a great. Time. I'm not saying them specifically, but yeah. I'm saying I've seen them at cons, kind of starting to talk shit now. <laughs> but just in general, it's it's really really interesting and you get so much insight into this stuff and and voyager in particular as we're watching i realized they wanted to do some cool stuff and they just weren't allowed to and uh, braga straight up says we ran out of ideas we didn't have anything else and my thought is okay well why are you still making a show because you also have to mortgage to pay off yeah exactly but effectively that was his thing it was like I, I, we're out of, like, I know we're out of ideas, and every time anyone would, would pitch anything to us, I, like, it's like, sorry, we did that this time, yeah. this time, this time, and this time. Uh, another one from Tidro. Uh, she says, sorry about the typos earlier, I was driving. <laughs> Fan versus shovel is the best question today. Uh, we never came back to you on that, man. Uh, need, need a little more time? Come back to me. All right. Uh, some comes from Andrew. Uh, how's it going? A lot, undoubtedly. One. I just realized that in Star Trek Beyond, Balad <laughs> is sort of evil Prime Kirk. When he sees something that is an affront to his standards of life, he goes out of his way to ruin everyone else's good time. No one should live like this. No one should live like this. Yeah, I could see that. No one should have to have their beautiful face turned into a blue, scaly... A monsterman. <laughs> Alpha Zar Edison turned into a monsterman. What the fuck happened to his teeth? <laughs> well, Seriously, it was like two fucking can openers are and like one and then the other one. I'm Yeah, it's a living. I'll bite the top off this bottle. Uh, all in all, I think they're kind of poking fun or dissing at the Prime Universe. I mean, all the starships in the movie, we just have to get one that looks like the old NX class on Enterprise. Maybe this is just Berman and Braga's influence on Justin Lin, a quiet fuck you to the fans for not appreciating Team Archer. No, I think it's because we're dealing with something from before, and they have respect for the continuity. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, well, canonically, a ship, a ship from 50 years ago yeah. or 100 years ago or whatever looks like this. I don't know that it was... It, it might have been a love letter to Enterprise, but I doubt it. I don't know. Uh, two, what do you think of George Decay's response to Sulu being gay on the grounds of he's only gay because of me? I get where he, I think we talked about this a lot in the last supplemental. I get where he's coming from. Um, and I get why he doesn't like the idea of Sulu. 
Sulu being gay, especially a Sulu that he isn't yeah. being gay. On the other hand, um, I think it's so much more important See, for one of the main characters to not be straight. I absolutely agree. And the thing is, because I love goofy meta stuff that has extra meaning. Yeah. If I'm in a pitch meeting where it's like, we should make one of these guys gay. First of all, who haven't we established being into women? Mm-hmm. Second, like, I, who you know, who should yeah. it be? And it's like, well, I don't know. Why not Sulu? We haven't shown him with a girlfriend. Yep. And Takei was gay, so it would be a nice nod to him. It's yep. like a double thing. And so, I don't know. I still say, and I'm sorry Takei wasn't okay with it. It's mm-hmm. totally his his right to yeah. feel how he feels about it. I think it's important, and I'm glad. Yeah. But I, I still say it would have upped the meta thing even more to have his husband be played by George Takei. That would have been amazing. Because what better way to out Shatner Shatner than to have yourself making out with a younger, hotter version of yourself. Must have been my lifelong <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but not only would, you know, lo- lovable old Queen George Takei get, get to kiss uh, adorable John Cho. Hello, Muffin. But also, seriously, he would he would one up Shatner. Mm-hmm. You couldn't you couldn't top that because Shatner's not going to kiss Chris Pine. Come on, <laughs> he arm wrestled him. That's that's all he's going to yep. do. Uh, three. How's it going, sweet cheeks? <laughs> I missed you while you were on your enterprise adventures. <laughs> Here's our daughter. Here's our daughter. We've always had. Well, if you're doing the voice, I've been tripping balls. <laughs> Thank you. In that I tripped over one of our little girl's balls she left lying on the stairs. <laughs> I grounded her for a week with no ice cream. No ice cream for you, Dimora. All the ice cream is for me. Uh, three. There's this rather awesome, unused alternate TNG season six finale which involved the Breen, Riker finally realizing life is too short and getting his own ship, and Picard, well, you have to read it for yourself, and a mention of an unbeloved character. Uh, we will put a, ref- a uh, oh. link to that in the show notes. Also, this rather gender-fluid episode involving Wesley. I will also put that in the show notes. Wesley. I know at one point there was talk of the, and I don't I, I don't have this in front of me right now, but um, the season six finale of Next Gen being Crashing the Enterprise, which they ended up doing in Generations, mm. and splitting the crew up, and season seven would have been getting them back together for a new ship. Oh, cool. And that could have been a cool thing they ended up not doing. So it might be that, I'm not sure. How do we end season six? Six was uh, Lore's Magic Castle, which picked up with... Season 7, The Floor's Magic Castle. Well, I'm glad they made the right choice then. Yeah. That classic episode. The thing is, the first part of that, until we reached Lore, mm-hmm. like the Borg are suddenly aggressive and Data's acting out of sorts, that was yeah. an interesting premise that just did not pay off. And then it turned out to be Lore. Lore. And the sons of Soong will soon destroy the Federation <sighs> with our army of Borg and our scary claw logo. Borg. I mentioned this. Rah, we're scared. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. I've got a tiny shovel for a hand. <laughs> or a tiny fan. <laughs> um, I've mentioned this on the show. I've been I've been watching uh, uh, Gilmore Girls recently. Gilmore Girls. Roar, Gilmore, Gilmore. But, um, Stop doing that, Lorelai. That's... Uh, Tidro is also watching it with me and we're talking about it and she keeps abbreviating Lorelai as Lore. I can't believe Lore got back with him. And I'm just, uh, really? Rory and Lorelai. Rory! Lorelai! Uh, let's see, Andrew continues. In closing, three questions. Have you heard about the interactive roleplay at Disney's Star Wars launch bay? 
My friend got to meet Kylo Ren, and what went down was an amusing debate on why Darth Vader is not cool, and it went something like this. Dude, your grandfather wasn't cool. He was a psychotic ser child serial killer. Sure, he destroyed the Jedi Temple, but he had like a billion clones. It's not cool using cheat codes. You killed off an entire generation of noobs, but you did it with six guys. You're way better than Vader. <laughs> that said, if there was one for Star Trek, who would you like to chat to? Cool. The thing is, we could interpret this more broadly and just say what Star Trek character would we like to meet in real life and talk to. Like, that's... I want to, in, like, in sort of the, the Disney setting, mm -hmm. I want the return of Quark's bar from L or from Las Vegas. Yeah. And I want to hang out with Quark. Just Armin Shimmerman yeah. improving as Quark would be the most fun I've, I can imagine. I've mentioned this on the show before, and, and I... I, I... Just, I have very fond memories of uh, Dave, our voice guy, Bob, who uh, appears on the show once a season, uh, and a couple other people, uh, my, my ex-wife for one, mm -hmm. and, and another friend who hasn't been on the show, uh, all went to Vegas and visited the um, uh, Quark's, uh, the, the Star Trek experience, yeah. and went to Quark's bar, and it, it looked fantastic. Uh, they had a whole recreation interactive. The ride part of it was dumb, but a mm -hmm. whole uh, interactive thing with the Enterprise D bridge, and it felt like you were actually on the Enterprise D bridge. Yeah. It was so fucking cool. One of my greatest regrets in my life is I never got to. <laughs> the problem is it closed before you were probably old enough to go there. That's true. Well, let's see. It closed while Deep Space Nine was still on the air. So I don't know. So, like the thing is, at the time it was around. I didn't like DS9, so I was like, I don't want to go to... Right, but what I'm saying is I went there when I was 20. It was yeah. my 25th birthday. So, yeah, I would have so been So you wouldn't like have been legal drinking 14, age yet. 13. <laughs> yeah. And I think it closed a couple years later. Yeah. So. Uh, let's see. Five. If the premiere of Ontario, Canada were to premier. be... Premiere. Oh, sorry. If the premiere of Ontario, Canada were to be a guest on your show, would you refuse to see her if you saw her signature, K. Win? No, but only because I can identify when people are different, even when they have similar names. <laughs> Six. In reference to your Dark Frontier review, I found a clip of Unicron versus the Borg. What about Dark Passions? Do you have anything to show me from Dark Passions? Very well. Uh, your podcasts help get me through the day. Well, Thank nice. you. He also asks us to keep on trucking. Okay. Okay. We'll get right on that. I, I, well, so I mean, I won't. I can't truck, but... Uh... No. Nor can I truck with that. Put your truck nuts in it, man. Oh, man. Not truck nuts. Truck nuts. Uh, this one comes from Justin. Will Star Trek Discovery happen? Maybe. I don't know. I've lost my anticipation for it. Do you think the suits got scared? Fuller came out with promises of equality and openness with the characters' genders and sexuality. I bet the suits panicked and tried to rein him back in with that old ghost of Berman whispering in their ears and trying not to cause a perceived controversy. Ooh, don't put any gay people in Star Trek. He's not dead. Ooh. He's retired. In fact, the only modern quote from Berman in that 50-year uh, mission mm. book is him saying, leave me alone, I don't want to talk about Star Trek anymore. Ebenezer Fuller. <laughs> the thing is, Brian Fuller is no longer the showrunner for yeah. Discovery. That really disappoints me yeah. a lot. Because, especially since someone dug up a quote from him years ago saying, I would give up anything to work on Star Trek. Clearly you not. You wouldn't give up American Gods, apparently. He's working on, as I recall, three different things. Yeah. And now two different things. But he's got something else going in addition to American mm -hmm. Gods. Like, he's a very busy guy. But, come on, man. Like, and the thing is, maybe the current showrunners are good. I think they're fairly untested, mm -hmm. so we don't know. Yeah. And the problem is, Star Trek... I've said this all along. Star Trek is such a big thing that's, like... They, they have a hard time finding and keeping big names. Mm -hmm. Like, they always end up treating it like a low-budget, low-rent. Like, yeah. why? 
fucking everyone knows what Star Trek is. I know, and that's why people are opposed to J.J. Abrams and now Justin Lin doing the big action thing, but, like, that's, I guess, the only way to get people interested? I don't know. That's the only way to make a big movie at this point, and Star Trek is so big of a name that you can't... There's a, you have to do... Like, Star Trek Four would never happen now. Because it's too small. I know, and that's what I've been saying about the movies, too. It's like, all those movies had a different tone to them. Yep. Four was a fish-out-of-water comedy. Yeah. And six was a political thriller. Like, yep. You can do so many different things with Star Trek, and they just keep doing big action movies. Yeah. But The political thriller they could do. Captain America Winter Soldier is a political movie, and it fucking rocked. That's true. Um, but, like... But, like, I don't know. There was a, There's a quote this week from one of the CBS executives saying, I'm glad we have this on our streaming service because it wouldn't work on broadcast TV. Like, the new show. They're it saying for, no, no. They're saying that like whatever they're doing uh-huh. for the new show is probably not going to like get enough ratings to justify. And like, what? Really? Yeah. So I don't know. I'm really worried about that. But uh, I'm the thing is, and I've said this before, but as a fan, mm-hmm. there's plenty of things I like that have been handled in ways I don't care for, like the Transformers movies. You know what? I don't watch them. Mm-hmm. I don't care. They sometimes I see a screenshot. I'm like, oh, that looks stupid, and then I move on and with my day. Right. It does. And if I were, for want of a better word, a civilian looking at Star Trek, and I'd be like, oh, well, that's unfortunate. But I have to watch this, all of it, and talk about it, and dissect it. And after coming off two years of us covering Voyager and another year of us covering Enterprise, which I don't expect to care for that much, I need this to be good, man. Otherwise, half this podcast is going to be us complaining. And let's be real for a minute. Um, We could use Star Trek right now. Well, that a too. A lot. That too. That message. That also, also that. Would be really nice right now. I'm talking for completely personal, selfish reasons. Sure. Like, if the next show is bad, that's three shows in a row, probably. Yeah. Unless we like Enterprise. But probably three shows in a row we won't care for. And that means we covered three we like and three we don't like. That's not a good, that's not a good record. No. For a franchise we're supposed to be huge fans of. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And uh, Justin goes on, Star Trek Beyond Thoughts. Mm-hmm. First time I watched Beyond, I saw a Star Trek movie where the crew goes to a planet in an unstable region of space and fights a villain that's incredibly old and using technology to stay young. And at one point, the captain uses classical music in an action set piece. Second time I saw it, it clicked. This is a TOS episode about a crazy starship captain. Garth of Izar, Ron Tracy, Matt Decker, they all went nuts and wanted to fight Kirk. It reminded me that I didn't really like the original series. <laughs> I like my Trek big. Dominion War, Romulan Spies, Klingon Birds of Prey. I'm least engaged when it's some guy. But before going in, I knew one thing about this movie. When Paramount fired Robert, R- Roberto Orkey and hired Peg to write it, they had one directive. Make it Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep. And that they did. Everything from the soundtrack of Public Enemy and Beastie Boys to the villain wanting a rock to wipe out people. <laughs> uh, on, a, on a planet slash space station. And the Yorktown looked like just like Xandar. And... Never lose sight of the fact that this is all Jonathan Archer's fault. Yep, you're right. Uh, that's certainly true. <clears throat> I don't know. Like, I I guess I saw the the Guardians thing. My thing, and this is an unpopular opinion that only I have. Well, Amanda has it as well. But, like, I, between the two of us, only I have. I don't I, care what people think of my opinions. What? Amazing. Um, Guardians was all right. I thought it was one of the weaker Marvel movies. Yeah. Sorry. Just, like, I... The villain, I had a lot of the same problems I had with Beyond, actually. The villain was generic and didn't make any sense. The characters were good, but the plot was the most tedious, generic thing I'd seen. Mm-hmm. And 
I know a lot of people don't agree with me. That's totally cool. I don't agree with you. But, you know. Thank you, Amanda. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Seth. As someone who watched Voyager on its first run, my friends who bailed on the show early asked me about the addition of 709 to the cast. I said that she fixed Voyager. She filled the Spock role of not quite human to learn things and grasp at that aspect of her makeup and deal with the humanity of those around her. Something the writers did with the Doctor to an extent, but I don't feel like they went as far as they really needed to to explore that idea. I say that from a perspective of liking the Doctor. Rewatching it now, I think fixed goes a little too far, but I think her presence has given the show what it lacked. Now that we've had two full seasons of Seven, what are your thoughts on that? Bonus question. What do you think the show might be like if Kess had remained instead of Seven, or if they left Harry to suffer with the moderately attractive women to make room for Seven? Oh, God. I... If we lost Harry and got Seven? That's what we were supposed to get. I know. That would have been great. I mean... God, picture that beautiful what-if universe. Yeah, that would be fantastic. The thing is, I do think she definitely... Like, I would be enjoying... Like, I'm, I'm enjoying about half of it right now. Mm-hmm. I would enjoy substantially less than that if we didn't have Seven. Mm-hmm. Seven is a huge part of why I like yep. it still. Not the only part, but a big part of it. And Plus, we never would have get, gotten Caitlin on as a regular. That's true. Um, and now that they've started pairing her up with uh, uh, the wee baby Childman, as you call her, mm-hmm. that's that's even better. Yep. Because that's the other great character. Like Yeah. Uh, Seven was the, the the best new character of season five, and, and uh, Naomi Wildman, best new character of season six. Yep. So, or, no, four and five. Yeah. We're going into six now. That's it. But, uh, no, I totally agree that she's made the show better. The problem is not better enough. Yeah. It, it lifted it from a D to a C, I mm-hmm. would say. And I don't want to keep watching a C. I'd much rather watch something better than a C. Uh, let's see. This one uh, comes from our Polish friend whose name has been spelled out for me, and I still will say it wrong. Mikolaj, I think. Mikolaj. Probably not. Sorry. It's not sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, hi. So, I guess you've addressed it before, but why are almost everyone in Starfleet and the Maquis attractive? I know it's TV, uh, but let's forget that for a minute. Mm-hmm. Why did Jean's ideal future not include ugly people? You should think there are some more successful homely people in a meritocracy because talent and looks are unrelated to each other. Mm-hmm. I heard Gene was super against body hair and baldness in the future, but what gives? Why is his visionary vision so vain? Have you learned anything from the 50-year mission book? Signed, Polish boy whose name looks funny, Mikolaj. I did not know Gene was against body hair. That's too bad. I have no place in Star Trek. I feel like that did come up. Like, I've seen that before where he... I think that's why, like, uh, people had to shave their chests if they were shirtless and stuff like that. God damn it, Gene. Why do you hate me? <laughs> Is it because I hate you? Well, you're not ugly, Because you were alive first, so technically I win. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're still living. Yeah. You can go dance on his grave. He can't do that to you. That gene. Field trip? Yeah, I think field trip. <laughs> I'm going to rub my chest hair all over his tombstone. Except I think his ashes were scattered in orbit, so we're going to have to dance on the planet. Or over the planet. Oh, over the planet. Yeah, like in orbit. Oh. Yeah. Um, I mean, Gene. I mean, the real answer is because TV only wants pretty people. Yeah, but it's a fair point. All the extras and all the everything, like they're all they're all pretty. All the ugly people were bred out during the the eugenics war. Ooh, yeah, there you go. That's what Khan was all about. Mm-hmm. Everyone must have glorious chests like me. Except throw your ugly babies in the river. Except, well, now I'm just thinking of the uh, that game, Peasants Quest. Throw baby. (laughs) 
Except then Khan looks like Benedict Cumberbatch, who looks like a melty man. Mm, so that he does look like a melty man. So that doesn't really track. Uh, let's see. This one comes from Gay Scott. And he says, I seriously want to bitch slap Robert Beltran. Thank you. So do I. What a lazy, whiny son of a bitch. Uh-huh. How about showing the writers you can actually act, and then maybe they'll write some material for you? How about figuring out some of your own character instead of relying on the writers for that? How about doing some research and figuring out what fucking tribe you're supposed to be? I called him a wooden Indian, and I'm unanimous in that. Fuck. Well, I mean, you can't really be unanimous as one. That's an Are You Being Served reference. Ah. Thanks, Scott. Very well. No one makes enough Are You Being Served references for this show. (laughs) Apparently that's true. Uh, Or also, feel free to send in your Are You Being Served Again references. Uh, and while you're at it, you might as well send in some Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister references. Yep. That, that, uh, to the manor born, I'll take some of those. Maybe some Father Ted. Uh-huh. Uh, what else was that used to be on after Faulty Towers? Um, <laughs> I mean, we always oh. like a, a good Red Dwarf reference, but that's that, that's not really in the, in the line of... The Rise and Fall of Reginald Perrin? I don't know that one. Um, shit. That's what happens when your dad is British. <laughs> the Vicar of Dibley? Is that a thing? Um, yeah, I don't know. No, it is something. Definitely. Okay. I, these are all names I've seen written down. I've never seen any of these shows. Yeah. I like me some British shows. I could name easily 15 British shows off the top of my head that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know any of these is all. Uh, this is our last email we have, so uh, if, if you're watching on the stream and you have something for us, now is the time. Post Atomic Horror at Gmail. Uh, but once we finish this last email, that's pretty much it. So uh, bear that in mind. This is from Richard, the guy who wrote the awesome uh, uh, Harry song and yep. several other songs for us uh, previous to that. Uh, also, if I hadn't said this on the show, uh, I I made a whole separate uh, entry on our on our website. Like if you scroll not very far back, every song he's made for us is now in one single place. So you can hear that and you can hear the Delta Blues song. And uh, the Keiko O'Brien, the Terrible, Horrible song. Wife, the Rom song. There's there's a bunch in there, and they're all fantastic. Let me hear your rom, 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 rom. <laughs> uh, and he says, I've been watching the romance novel with time travel and kilts, Outlander, that is produced by Ron Moore. And I've noticed a surprising number of similarities between Klingons and Scottish folk. Is this just my brain trying to trick me in to think I'm watching Star Trek, or might there be some basis in fact? That wouldn't surprise me, honestly. A lot of the Klingon stuff sort of coming from... Well, there's the Scottish. There's uh, I know there's a lot of the Norse, like mm-hmm. the, the Viking-y type guys. Yeah. Um, I know uh, Outlander is based on a book series that Amanda like actively hates. That's the Diana Gabaldon. Diana Gabaldon. That everything wants me to read. Yeah, her, her digital reading device, uh, every time she finishes a book, recommends this author to her, despite the fact that she... Just can't stand it. That's so. fables. Yeah. Why don't you like it, Amanda? I don't know why I don't like fables. Why not? I tried to like fables. But jo- join us in reading Diana Gabaldon. <laughs> but the thing is, like, I've never... I don't know who that is. I don't know if I would like it myself or not. And I know Ron Moore produces it. And I know uh, Iris Stephen Bear writes for it. Mm-hmm. But because Amanda hates it so much, I just like, well, I don't want to watch that. Yeah. Amanda hates it. She might yell at me. Oh, I don't care about that. I just... Right? We, we have fairly similar tastes. We don't agree on everything, but TV shows-wise, we usually agree. Except she likes True Blood. But apart from that. Uh, but yeah, I know the, the Klingons were based on a lot of that stuff, and I would not be surprised if Ron Moore played that up. Like, hey, I know this stuff. I spent 15 years doing this. Mm-hmm. Warrior culture, eh? Yep. 
Uh, Richard also says, also, I've been re-listening to your old podcast, and it's amazing how well they hold up and how much I enjoy them. It's also amazing how much you talked smack about Voyager, even from the very beginning. We knew what was happening. I feel like some of it was unfair. Uh, yeah, there's I a, agree. There's a lot of stuff from back in the day, like all the Terry Farrell stuff. Mm-hmm. There was some fairly, uh, if not full-on misogynistic, at yep. least a little sexist things yep. that I wish I hadn't said earlier on. Mm-hmm. And some of the stuff on Voyager... Overall, I think I have the opinion I expected to have on Voyager, but I was wrong about a lot of specific things. Uh, I know I didn't like Janeway going in. Yeah, we both did not like Janeway, and we were very wrong about that. She's one of the best characters on the show. Yeah, like, yeah. and Definitely a good enough to be the fucking captain on that show. Yeah, no, she's she's up there with the other guys, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, and th- there were a lot of things that I just straight up didn't think I was going to like, and I yep. did. And I didn't think I was going to like any of the characters except her and the Doctor. Mm-hmm. And I like half of them. Yeah. I like Tuvok. I usually like Bolana. I like Seven. Bolana was great when she's written well. Yeah, that's just not been happening lately. Yeah, no, there's there's a real problem with the writers kind of losing the thread on mm-hmm. her. But uh, yeah, for the most part. Um. So yeah, I think we were wrong about some specific stuff. Yep. But on the other hand, you know, like we, I like that about like I'm gonna pat ourselves on the back here a little bit. But like I, I like that we're willing to once we see the thing. Oh. We were wrong. Yep. And then we apologized for it on one of the supplementals. Yeah, exactly. So, unless you've listened to all 300 plus episodes, Mm. you can't just assume that what you're hearing is our real opinions. You have to hear all of them. If you'd like us to apologize for other things, please send them in to postatomichorror at... uh, (laughs) Wait. Gmail. Gmail Gmail.com. Yes. All right. Well, that is all the mail. Was there anything else? Actually, there's one or two other quick uh, just Star Trek related things. Sure. Um... I started reading the Vanguard books. Yes, so did I. I read the, I just finished the first one. Did you have a hard time following all the like all the characters? Cause I like, I did until I realized there was a guide to the characters in the back of the first book. Oh. I found that super useful. I don't know if your copy had that or not. It probably does. I didn't I didn't check. Or if you're reading it on digital, it's not easy to flip back flip um, to the Mac. The the Kindle app has a bookmark mm. thing where I can just say, take me to this page, take me back. But no, it's like three pages of just like, this is this guy. This yeah. is what you need to know about this guy. There were easily 20 characters mm-hmm. that I'd never heard of before, in addition to the crew of the original Enterprise, yeah. who at least I knew. But they're like, because there's a station, and then there's like two or three ships attached to yeah. the station, and the station has a crew, and each ship has a crew. Yeah. And there's a lot of fucking characters. And then there's some civilians. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, there's so many people. I don't know what's going on. But broadly speaking, I kind of liked it. Yeah. No, I like it. I love the setting of original series like yeah. the first book is basically the first book is basically set like a week after uh where no man where no man has gone before and it's supposed to sort of run alongside what's happening in the original series yeah and we're supposed to be dealing with sort of the the, the description i read was the political ramifications of all the stuff kirk does like he leaves a planet in chaos mm-hmm. and rockets off these guys have to deal with what happens next yeah um and i like that no, I, I, I read the first one. I have the second one. I haven't started it yet, but mm-hmm. I, re- I really liked it. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, uh, there's a couple of comics that I've mm. checked out. Uh, the, the main Star Trek series, is uh, IDW series, is over, but they're doing a couple of uh, uh, offshoot things. Uh, they're doing one called Boldly Go, which actually, the uh, slight spoilers, the original series crew ends up running into the Borg, and so far it's not as stupid as it sounds. Uh, okay, that sounds stupid. No, so far it's not. It's not amazing, mm-hmm. but it's not terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, the thing is, again, from our vantage point, the Borg haven't been run into the ground yet. 
Apparently they will be. We haven't seen a ton of Borg stories. I mean, my thing is that they've definitely been run into the ground if you're reading the books and the uh, comics and stuff. See, I don't read much Do of Do yourself that. a whatever the reverse of a favor is and check out Brandon Braga's miniseries Hive. Yeah, I tried. Which I tried. is dog shit. Starts in like the 50th century with yep. Locutus going back in time and stopping the Borg. And I believe Seven turns into a, a Borg scorpion at one point. Because there was an episode called Scorpion? Maybe? I don't know. Um, the other one I wanted to bring up is uh, called Waypoint, mm-hmm. which uh, I had to bring up on my device here because I can't remember. There's not a very memorable name. Um, it's an anthology series. Mm. Which, uh, so far, the first two issues have, have come out, and um, there's two stories per issue. And they're just short stories, and apparently they take place throughout, like, all start Like, there's only been, most of them, like, three out of the four take place in the original series, but one takes place post-next-gen. So I think they're going to jump all around. That's cool. And um, they're not all great because it's an anthology. The first one is a uh, ship where Jordy is the captain, and all the whole crew is Data's. Oh, yeah, I saw... Yeah, IO9 or somebody put, yeah. Didn't, it was, it's not great. Not, I'm not a big fan of that. But the second one had um, one that is an homage to the old Gold Key comics, and the art is suitably 60s cheesy, mm-hmm. and is a lot of, like, the dialogue is deliberately corny, and is, is that's a lot of fun. That's cool. There's big, like, the, the, the climax of the story is Kirk and some Klingons on a planet fighting in giant robot like, rock'em, sock'em robots. <laughs> um, and the other story is, and... This doesn't spoil the, the content of the story at all. It's just the broad, like, what, what it's about. is It follows, like, um, a junior crewman on the Enterprise. Like, basically the person who really saves the day half the time when Kirk says, thanks, Scotty. Mm. It's really this engineering chick running around and, and fixing things. And Scotty gets all the credit for it. And, but the thing is, um, just in, in the course of flashing back and seeing her life, we see she's married to a woman. And that's just part of the story. And it's like, oh, good. That's awesome. Good job. If, if, if nowhere else, at least the comics are trying to mm. uh, to be inclusive, and that's cool. Make one final check for emails. Check your email. Check, 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 check your email. All right. Well, that's all. So, as ever, we appreciate your listening, listenership. Listenerisms. Yeah. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, it's going to be a rough time ahead. In the old I, I'm anticipating. I, I don't... What Do you, do you think six is going to be better? Because I don't, but... I think it's at best going to be the same. I think that's sort of the, the best we're going to get. The is... thing is, three was garbage, four was good, mm-hmm. and then five is back down to almost garbage again. Yeah, I hope. Because, like, you know... I don't want to. I don't want this to be something that's a chore. I want to have fun with this. I've said this before. There's stuff about Voyager that I really like. There's crew yeah. members that I really like. There's stuff I really enjoy, and mm. I want more of that and less of the other thing. Less Neelix and Harry. Yeah, that's Harry Neelix. Well, yes, of course. I, do I want less Harry Neelix or do I want a less Harry Neelix? I mean, both really. They're both. Yeah. Where's Gene's body hair philosophy <laughs> when it comes to that piece of shit? Oh, no, this is one of those, yay, he's dead. Now we can finally have a character covered in hair that puts hair on everything and in everything. That's all I've ever wanted. And a character named Harry. Hooray! All right, well, that's all for this time, so we'll be back next week with the season premiere. (laughs) Hooray! Voyager. Say your thing, Matt. Alan. (laughs) See you, folks. (laughs) 
The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2016. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this. <laughs>